So we've been in a series that we're calling BFF, or what, what our intention behind it is Beneficial Friends Forever. And what we're really trying to do in this series is look at who do we surround ourselves with. And when we look at the people we're surrounding ourselves with, there's certain qualities that we really want to have in each of these people that surround us. Because it's so easy for us to go out and find people that, that maybe have certain things that we have in common with them and we like maybe hanging out with them or maybe they have a lot of money and so we like to go to their house because they have a lot of nice things. And so there's many different reasons maybe why we surround ourselves with certain people. But certain people, this is my, my line that I've kind of thought through this whole series, is that who you surround yourself with can either make or break you. It's the reality. And so it's so easy for us to just invite all these people into our lives, invite all these people to be a part of our lives, to be our friends, to, to be around us, but it's not always the greatest thing to have some of these people in our lives because they're going to take you downward instead of upward. And I think Peyton shared it, I think it was the first week, um, but bad company corrupts good morals, or good character. It says it, I think it's 1 Corinthians, it might be 2 Corinthians. And so if you surround yourself with bad people, it's the, the, the thought I've always said, when you, when you have a rotten apple in a bag of apples, it's going to eventually start to rot the other apples. Unless you get rid of the bad apple so that it doesn't affect the other ones. And so maybe right now what you really need to do is step back and look at your group of friends that you have around you, and is there some bad apples in there? Because our hope is to give you some qualities, one each week, that these are the things you should have in the friends that surround you. Because I'm telling you, I've been in your shoes. And it's so easy to let these people around you Nine years of my life, I ran from Jesus. Nine years of my life, my parents were on the verge of not knowing what to do anymore. Because I had all these people speaking into my, my ear, not literally, but into my life, telling me, you need to do this, you should do this, just do this, it's not a big deal, just do this, do that. And so I start doing all these things, and I find myself at this great chasm where God's all the way on that side, and I'm standing over here. And if you look at probably the last... Five years, once I met Shannon and, and had some other people around in my lives, my life, you start to see that gap get, get less and less. Because now, instead of pulling me away from Jesus, they begin to push me towards Jesus. And so, yes, it may seem like, oh, this is just a series that we're just going to talk about friends. It's like, no, there is such an importance to it in our lives right now. There's so many different things that are trying to get you away from Jesus so many different things in our world that are trying to pull you in a different direction and you desperately need people that are going to help you walk through it and keep you in accordance with the truth. And so that's why we want to talk about this is because I know what the effect friends can have. And probably many of you have had friends in your life and you've seen yourself make decisions and you're like, okay, this isn't me. And so I really hope throughout this series that's going to go all through the summer, that you take note of these qualities and really look at the people you're surrounding yourself with. You sixth graders, as you're moving up, you're getting into the middle school, it's kind of a chance to reset if you've got some friends that, that maybe shouldn't be around in your life. Incoming freshmen, you're getting up to the high school, it's like, okay, a chance to reset. 
just because you're in these areas doesn't mean you can reset, but this is the chance as you go into the next school year to really take a step forward and really sort through who do I need to keep by me and who do I need to let go. And so as you think about it, continually think in your own life, what are maybe some qualities, we might not hit them all, that I want to see in people that I surround myself with. And so today, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to talk about a quality um, that sometimes I think you, you probably just expect in, in a friend that you surround yourself with. But it's this word dependable. Dependable. I can count on them. They're always going to have my back. They're going to be there for me. They're going to go through thick and thin with me. No matter what happens in life, I can count on them to be there. You might have some friends like that. Um, so I'm going to show you this picture here. Hopefully you can see it. But here, here's a couple of my buddies. A couple of my buddies. Um, I'm not going to share all their names. You might know some of these guys. Um, but that's me, obviously. You can see on the far right. I don't look too much different, probably. Um, you can't see my brother's face, but he's right next to me. Um, and then that's, uh, that's Peyton's brother down there with the baseball bat. So um, this picture is uh, the night that we decided we were going to get this group of girls back. Because let me give you a backstory. So somewhere along the line, I don't know what happened. I don't know if we made them mad. I don't know what happened. But we wake up one morning. And both Wyatt's house, I don't know if it was a house or just their van, and both of our cars had all these, what they did is they put peanut butter on the back of these paint samples and stuck them all on our windshields. And so I get up, and I worked at 7 a.m. And so I get up and I see this, and I'm like, oh, great. And so what do I do? I just like, well, I'm going to pull this off. And I thought the wipers would take care of it. It made it so much worse. It did not work. <laughs> So I had to literally stop at a gas station on the way to Walmart, because I was still working at, the, at Walmart at the time, and use one of their squeegees to hopefully get it off enough to where I could at least see till I got to work. And I remember I got to work, and it like dried on my windshield, and it was so gross. And so I was, we were like, okay, that's enough. You know, We're not going to take this. And so this is what we do. We dress up in all of our black. We went out, and we got, um, I think it was like we literally cleared out both Walmart um, family dollar of their toilet paper and the people knew they knew I mean it's like hard it's like nine o'clock at night and you come up here with like 60 rolls of toilet paper and we're like yeah we're just buying toilet paper that's it so we get geared up and we go and we TP all three of these people we assume three people um, but there might have been more houses and if you talk to Tim Hershey if you know who Tim Hershey is we got his house um, we set off fireworks at his house um, and it like blew up his whole field with light. We didn't do any damage, but it, like, it just illuminated his entire field in front of his house. Um, and he congratulated us on it. But he said it would have been better without the fireworks because it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. But the reason I tell you this is not to copy our example, but it was like these guys are people in my life that no matter what happens, we got each other's back. Okay. The guy on the far left, this guy in the hat, and this guy down here, their cars didn't get touched. Their houses didn't get touched. Nothing happened to any of their stuff, but they said that, that you can depend on me. That no matter what happens, we got your back. We're going to be there for you. And we're going to go down with you, if that's what it takes. 
And so they geared up with us, and they went with us. And all throughout high school, aside from this story, this is a picture um, you might have heard here and there, maybe from my mouth or other people's. We called ourselves the pack. These were guys that we went through everything together. Some of the lowest points in our life to some of the best points in our lives. These guys had all of our backs. We were there for each other. You could count on us. Until this, and to this day, they're the only friends from high school that I still have contact with regularly. These guys are dependable. Well, Peyton's brother Wyatt, he's down in Florida right now. He works with Tim Tebow. In the drop of a hat, if I call him, he'll answer. My brother lives close to where I live somewhat. Drop of a hat, he's going to answer. Any of these guys have got my back. Do you have friends like that? <coughs> that if you're at the lowest point and you feel like, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do, do you have people that you can call? Do you have people that are going to stick by you and continue to follow Jesus, maybe when everybody else around you is making fun of you. That they're going to encourage you to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. Do you have friends like that? Because I'm telling you, it, there's nothing that seems more important to have people that you can depend on that are going to push you in the right direction towards Jesus. Because friends can have such an impact. And I could show you a picture like this with all the people that I had surrounding me that I couldn't depend on. And they turned their back on me. And they pushed me in the wrong direction. I want to tell you about a story. A story in Daniel, chapter 3. It's a story you've probably heard before. Um, to, to talk a little bit more about being dependable. It's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I, I know maybe that's not how you say his name. That's how I remember the Veggie Tales saying it, so I, that's, that's how I say it. Abednego. And so, um, what had happened, to give you a little context, I'll, I'll have some of the verses up on the screen, but if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, I'll be in Daniel chapter 3. Is Israel has been taken captive by Babylon. They've been taken captive, and so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all come into the king's court in chapter 1, and half of these guys are given the, the king's kind of um, training, if you want to say. They get the king's food. They do what the king wants. Daniel says, I'm not going to defile myself like that, so we're just going to eat vegetables and drink water. We're not going to feast on everything else and drink all the wine and party just like all you. And he said, I'll show you at the end of the day that we'll be better. And he does. After that amount of time, Daniel and his buddies were so much stronger, more alert, better. And so the king gives them kind of this honor, and they start to get put in charge of a bunch of different things. And so then we come to chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, who I remember in VeggieTales was like the big uh, cucumber or pickle, whatever he was, comes, and he's in charge. He's the king, and he creates this gold statue. He creates this gold statue and kind of makes this decree that once you hear these instruments, once you hear the sound of music, I want you to worship this gold statue. And anybody who doesn't gets thrown into the furnace. So now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are backed up against the wall. What do they do? 
They're followers of Jesus. They're in a place that is against Jesus. And now the king has issued a decree that pushes them away from Jesus to where they've got to make a decision. Will I go to the death, literally, because it's not like, oh, you get put in prison. You get thrown in the furnace. You're gone. There's no hope. And so now they have to make a decision. Will I choose God or will I fold to the pressure? And this is where they're at. And so, here's their decision. Picking up in verse 8, it says, But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, that have defiled your majesty by refusing to serve your gods or to worship the gold statue you have set up. So I think what's very interesting is, is look what it says down here. Whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. These aren't low-life guys. These are guys that the king knows because he's put them in charge of different areas. It's not like, oh, the king doesn't know these guys. They're just guys that are refusing to obey his gods. He knew, he had to have known that these guys follow Jesus. And they're in charge. And they hear the sound of the musical instruments and everybody gets down and they start doing their thing. You know, they hear the musical instruments, they get down, they start worshiping the gold statue. And over here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're going, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to defile our God like that. We're not going to follow the rest of the people. You know how hard that has to be? Each of you have probably been in a position or will be in a position where you're backed up in a corner where you've got to choose God or you've got to choose the world. Do you have dependable people around you that are going to stick with you? Because it's so much harder when you're standing over here alone. I think what's also very interesting is there's three guys. It could have been so easy for one of these three guys, two of these three guys, to just go over here with the rest of the people. Shadrach's going, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can face all the backlash. I'm just going over here. No. They said, we're going to honor and worship our God. You can depend on me. They knew the outcome. They knew death is what the outcome was. It wasn't like, oh, we can probably talk the king into doing something different because he put us in charge of some different things. They knew what it was, and they weren't going to fold. I assume they look at each other and they go, can we depend on each other? Life might end here. Because of the choice we're going to make, life could be over. Can we count on each other? Do you have people that will literally, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, go through the fire with you? That at the end of the day, they don't care what the costs of what they could face. They care about honoring God. And maybe you know the rest of the story. I don't have it up here, but the rest of the story is 
once they told this to King Nebuchadnezzar, I think he, he kind of finds himself in a pickle because he knows these guys are in charge of some things. He likes these guys. But his decree says if they don't worship the gold statue, they get thrown in the furnace. So he brings them in. And on top of this, I'll read this little part. I think it's very interesting. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'll give you one more chance. So he's like, okay, I can give them one more chance. See if they'll fold. If you bow down and worship the statue I made, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, all will be well. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. What God will be able to rescue from my power then? And then they go on and kind of have this conversation. And they don't do it. They don't do it. There's another chance. Are we going to be able to depend on each other? Will one of them fold? Can I count on you? He's given us one more chance. Will you still stand strong and follow God? One of those guys could say, this is my last chance. I can get out. I don't have to die here. But they don't. They bind together. They said, we're going to go through this. And it makes him mad, the king. Are you that confident? This is just a side note because I think it's very interesting in this story. Are you that confident that God will go through the fire with you? Like them? Their response to the king is like, yeah, we know God's with us, but if he doesn't save us, who cares? We follow a God that we want to serve till the day we die. And so the king not only throws them in the furnace, but he turns it up seven times hotter. So we're not just talking, okay, it's 70 degrees in here. Seven times 70. He cranks this thing up. When they put the guys in the furnace, the guys that put them in the furnace died because it was so hot. And they go in there, and the king starts to look in, and there's not three, but there's four. Four people find themselves in the furnace, and they go, didn't we, didn't we put three in there? They come out, and they inspect these guys, and not a single hair is singed, not a scratch. They don't even smell like smoke. Those are some friends you need. That even in the middle of the fire, they're still standing next to you. Those kind of people are hard to come by. I'll tell you that right now. It's really hard to come by people that are going to stick by you no matter what. Do you have a friend you can call when you've seriously messed up? Man, I went to this party last night and, and I made some decisions I probably shouldn't have. Drank too much. Maybe slept with somebody I shouldn't. What do I do? You got a friend you can call for that? Man, my parents told me not to do this, but I didn't see why this would be a big issue, so I did it anyways. What do I do? You got a friend you can depend on to lead you? in the right direction? Yesterday I got a text at 6.20 a.m. And my other um, 
grandma, my mom's mom, who's been battling cancer for seven years, eight years, something like that, passed away. Do I have friends around me that I can depend on to be there for me? When I don't know where to turn or what to do, but I just need somebody to talk to, to depend on. Each of those guys in that picture, each of these guys, are my Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I made a lot of dumb decisions through high school and college. I made a lot of dumb decisions even as an adult. But these guys, they'll walk through the fire. And these guys, a majority of them, are walking with Jesus. And they're pushing me towards Jesus. And they'll go down no matter what. I'm telling you, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but you need dependable people in your life. Because just like these three guys, I know I didn't talk much about this, we will face persecution. Sure, we may not face as bad of persecution as some other people across the world that are Christians, but you are going to face people that are going to back you in a corner and say there's no way this thing's real. Why do you even follow this so-called God? It's just a bunch of rules. You just go to church, you sit down, you listen to somebody talk for a while, you read your Bible, and then you go home. Do you have your dependable friends? They're saying, well, I'm following with them. Make fun of us all you want. I know what's right. I know what's true. And I got these people behind me to also be there too. You need dependable, not absent friends. One of the scariest things is when you think you got people behind you and you turn around and there's nobody there. You thought you could count on them. close with this and before some of you may not even remember this some of you might remember this but before we kind of redid some of this youth room there used to be a pool table in here there's a pool table in here some people used to play it um, and it sat we kind of moved it around all over but it um, when we got rid of everything we said well some people play it but I don't think it's enough to keep it so we decided to sell it so we got these people um, that message us, they're like, yeah, we'll take it. We're like, great. They're going to come up that day. They were like an hour and a half away or something. And they're going to come pick it up. We're like, okay, this is great. So we get here at the church, and this person shows up. And it's just him and his girlfriend. And I swear his girlfriend was like 90 pounds. I'm like, there's no way she can lift this thing. So I show up with like just a couple. Peyton's other brother, Hunter, he... Uh, he showed up with me, and I think we might have had one more guy. And I'm like, what if I wouldn't have shown up with these guys? Like, this is like, this isn't, we're moving a couch. This is a slate pool table. It's heavy. And this guy just shows up and says, well, we got to find a way to get this in my truck. I'm like, so, you know, we get around it, and we're like, okay, let's see if we can do this. With us, like, there was only like four of us. So I'm like, let's see if we can do this. So we get down there all on our sides, and we lift it up a little bit, and we're like, well, we might be able to get out there, but this thing is heavy. Like, it might drop along the way, or I don't know. So I'm like, okay, who can I call? Thought of a different, couple different people. Then I call 
my brother-in-law. Brother-in-law is a firefighter for Ashland. And I said, hey, what are you doing? It's like 9 o'clock at night. He said, I said, can you run up here and help us with something? He said, sure. So he comes up here, and I think we were trying to get a hold of a couple other people. And he said, well, let's just try to move this. This is my my brother-in-law. We were just talking yesterday um, when I was at my grandma's house, and they need a new roof on their barn. My brother-in-law is like, I'm free tomorrow. We're like, it's Father's Day. He's got three kids at home. He's like, well, roof needs put on. That's just how he is. It's like, he's just like, okay, we got to do this. So he comes and he's like, all right, let's do this. I kid you not. He gets the one side and just goes like this, like all the way off the ground. And we're sitting there watching him. We're like, he's like, you guys going to help or what? And I'm like, but I just call this guy and I can count on him. He's going to be there. And he's going to take his side of the way. He's going to help us out. And we carried that thing and we got it out there and got it in his truck. I, I feel like that guy still got it in his truck. I don't know where it is. There's no way he got it out of his truck. But he was somebody I could depend on to help me out, to carry some of the weight because it got heavy. And life gets heavy. And different decisions in your life make it really hard sometimes. And sometimes you just need somebody you can call to help lift the weight with you a little bit. That you say, man, this is really heavy and I just need some help carrying this. Can you help me out? And they come along and they pick it up and they say, I'm here for you. Even if you just, even if they just got to hold it. Say, can you just hold this for a second? I just need to breathe. Find some people like that, that will come along, that you can depend on, that will go through the fire. Even when the world is telling them to do something else, they say no. And just like last week when I was talking about Zacchaeus, you will know if somebody's dependable if they choose God over everything else. Each of these three guys said, I don't care if death is the outcome, God is more important. Dependable friends will follow God. Absent friends won't.